Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Hello and welcome to the show and my, what a week it has been. Larry Smith, Mike Hankley, Brad Sturdy, Patrick Quinn working our audio board for us. Illini basketball returning to the hardwood Saturday afternoon. First ever meeting against Alabama A&M at State Farm Center, 3 p.m. tip-off. What did this Illini squad learn from last week's lackluster efforts against Penn State and how will they respond to Brad Underwood's leadership challenge? Uh, we will talk about that. But it was football that dominated the week. Ryan Walters, the incredibly talented and very young defensive coordinator, making the move to become a head coach. Guys, not just anywhere, but landing his first head coaching job at Big Ten rival Purdue. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That, I was talking about the basketball there. Sorry, I'm, that, was, that was my <laughs> Underwood soundbite. Sorry, no, uh, no, I think with uh, Walters, I think it's great for him. Ryan Walters is a, if you've ever met Ryan Walters and talked to him, he's a great guy, great human being. Um, I think it's fantastic defensive coordinator. Obviously, now to Illinois fans, he's on the other side. And next year, they've got a game over in uh, West Lafayette uh, in October. So that should be should be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll do a good job at Purdue. And, you know, with the Big Ten changing, you may not see that game every year either, you know, going forward because they're going to get away from divisions. It's going to kind of be more random. So, yeah, I, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's great for him. It, obviously, for Illinois, now you've got to figure out where you go from here. Yeah, I think it does wonderful job of, of first off by Purdue. You get Ryan the year before he really gets super hot, which means you might be able to get him a little cheaper than what you would have if you had to compete against three or four schools next year. Um, and then the other thing I think that is great for Illinois is if you're a defensive or offensive coordinator and you see somebody get a job not at a power five school, but in one of the power two conferences, that becomes a destination place for um, people to go because they don't want to go be Nick Saban's punching bag for a year. You, they want to just get that, that, P, that P2 coaching job. So um, this is a great way to get some of the best coaches to come to Illinois. Mike, that's a great point, and I'm not sure that everyone has thought about that angle. When you talk about head coaches going from coordinator positions to a major conference head coaching job without head coaching experience, that is an Alabama or Georgia kind of thing. Maybe Ohio State. That just, that just doesn't happen, and yet it happened here. Uh, kudos to what Ryan Walters has done. Kudos to what Brett Bielema has done and what he has built in Champaign. Uh, in a very short time, we will hear from Coach Walters in just a bit from his uh, introductory news conference uh, in West Lafayette earlier this week. Um, you know, we already knew that Illinois' bowl matchup versus Mississippi State was going to look a lot different than we expected before the Walters announcement after Bulldogs veteran head coach Mike Leach died Monday night from complications related to a heart condition. Obviously, this is a tragic situation, but uh, Leach, such a beloved character uh, in, in the college football industry. Yeah, Mike Leach was must hear or must see TV. Whenever he was on doing an interview, you you stopped to watch or you found the interview because it was so entertaining because he just almost had a stream of consciousness going at times. It was so uh, so entertaining and 
and and besides that, he's also one of the great offensive minds, you know, uh, with the air raid offense and what he's been able to do offensively. You know, he's going to be missed in the college football world. Uh, obviously, I offer my condolences to his family, the Mississippi State program, and um, everybody uh, involved. Yeah, Mike Leach, fantastic coach, um, and and a guy who has eight um, got players or coaches on his two thousand Red Raiders team that ended up being coaches at some level or another. Um, obviously, you look at TCU this year. Um, right there is another coach coming up out of uh, out of his area. Um, wasn't Cliff Kingsbury? King, Kingsbury, Kingsbury yeah. was also there. Yes, and. Yeah. I mean, yep. he's had an effect on it. And, and I'll tell you, for those people like Brad and Larry, who've known me for years in 2004, when Ron Turner left in 2011, when Ron Zook left in 2014, when Tim Beckman left, and even when Levy Smith left in 2020, I was um, all for 2021. I was all for bringing Mike Leach in as the Illini head coach. Uh, dynamic passing offense, quotable, entertaining. His radio show was spectacular when he was out of coaching for a couple of years. Uh, condolences out to his family. And um, he's he leaves a fingerprint on the game with that air raid offense that very few coaches will leave on a on a sport after they're gone. And had a success everywhere he went, Texas Tech, as you mentioned. Um, Washington State and then back to Mississippi State and even his time as an assistant uh, two decades ago at Kentucky under Hal Mummy. Um, he was the offensive genius behind all that. Tim Couch ended up being the top overall pick. Um, and even he this week was talking about and Mummy as well, just uh, again, what a very special person he was. How about the bowl game and how this changed the, the dynamic? Uh, Illinois, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, Brett Bielema's search here in a few minutes with, with Matt Stevens. Mississippi State, you know, with, with a new coach and uh, when, when you think about, um, um, you know, th they'll have something to play for now. Not that they didn't before, but they're going to want to go out and win one for Coach Leach. Yeah, no question. They, they look at it and say, hey, you know, this is an opportunity to win, win one. This, they'll win one for the Gipper game, right? And so they're going to play with a lot of energy. First time under a, their new coach, um, Coach Arnett. And so now you've got, um, you know, you've got a, like a cause, I guess. And so the, it, for everybody to watch and, you know, the, the crazy part about it is, you know, everybody in the country is going to be cheering for Mississippi State right. in this game. Like, every I mean, you watch the game, it's like, oh, this is for Coach Leach, you know. Hey, Illinois will have their time. Coach Leach, you know. So, um, yeah, it's really um, it's really going to be an interesting thing. I, I'm going to miss just listening to Mike Leach before this game, though. I was so excited to cover Mike Leach and get those sound bites and listen to those as I'm down there doing interviews and things like that. It was just going to be so much fun. Yeah, it, it might as well be the uh, Illinois fighting Darth Vader's um, this <laughs> this January second, and and it, it takes me back to um, 1982 when Mike White and the Illini had to go to the Liberty Bowl mm -hmm. in uh, Bear Bryant's last game, and um, you know the emotions going to run high for these Mississippi State players, and it's got to be incredibly challenging for a lot of them. First time having someone close to them pass away. Um, it's going to be an emotional game, and and you know you just you just wish everybody well with the program, and um, you know it's it's a, it's a shame because uh, you know you're talking to coach who probably had 
another good decade of who knows what he would have come up with in another 10 years. Yeah. Mike Leach leaving us too soon at age 61. And again, as, uh, as we've said before, our condolences to, uh, to his wife and four children and everyone with the Mississippi state program. We are thinking of you um, as you um, prepare to move on uh, with the life without Mike Leach, what a special character and, uh, and meant so much to so many people. We step uh, aside here for a timeout here on the show. Lots of football just ahead. Up next, Coach Walters talks about taking over the Boilermakers program. We'll listen in on that. And what does this departure mean for the Illini in their bowl game and long-term heading into 2023? That's all ahead on the Sports Spectacular. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. 36-year-old Ryan Walters is a new head coach at Purdue after two seasons as the Illinois defensive coordinator. A different kind of move for Purdue. Uh, For the better part of the past four decades, they've gone after coaches with an offensive background. Let's listen in to Walters during his introductory news conference on Wednesday. I want our offense to do the things that I hate seeing on Saturdays as a defensive coordinator. I think there's this misnomer out there that, you know, defensive head football coaches, all of a sudden they just want to condense down a game and get good stats. I'm not into stats. I want to win games. And so, uh, obviously, you know, I've, I've got a quarterback background. I want our quarterbacks to have success here, and we're going to be high-powered and, you know, and high-flying on offense. In transfer portal, uh, your experience maneuvering and working in the portal, Ryan, and also how you feel, I know you haven't been on the job launch, about your ability to retain most of these guys on this roster. Well, that's what, the, the, that's what we're working through right now. Um, you know, my, my job right now is to get to know these guys, um, you know, build, start building trust and, and respect. Um, uh, with with the players in the locker room, um, and then you know from there, identifying uh, what our needs are uh, from a um, from a personnel standpoint, um, what our numbers are, and, and what holes we need to fill, and if that's with the high school uh, recruit or or a transfer portal, um, that'll be it. Uh, but again, that's that's all stuff that we're working through right now. Um, and, you know, I've been on the job for 48 hours. And- are you going to call it a defense, or are you going to have a defensive coordinator call it a defense? I'm going to have a defensive coordinator, um, but I do believe that what what I do is unique. Um, you know, I'm I'm not shy in saying I, I think I'm the best defensive coordinator in the country right now. I think the the numbers speak for themselves, um, and and so I, you know I I would not relinquish those duties unless I felt comfortable. So I, our, the defensive side of the ball has got to be taken care of. If that's with me, then that needs to be with me. Uh, But if I feel comfortable with the staff that we bring in and their abilities to um, do it as a high level as as I could or or better, then I'll do what's best for the program. How do you feel about Purdue's NIL flex situation? Is it a situation you think you can succeed with at the Big Ten level? Absolutely. Um, That's one of the things that was very attractive uh, to me about this opportunity. Um, Our administration, you know, Mike here has, has done a great job with the collective um, and, and we'll be in the upper echelon of the Big Ten. Hi, Coach. Mick Walker, 24-7 Sports Spoilers Sports Report. Um, just from speaking to the current recruits, I know you can't get into sp- specifics, but I know you reached out to most of them last night. What was that message just 24 hours a week into the signing day? What was that message like? 
Yeah, it was good to get on the phone with, with all of them, um, you know, let, letting them know that they fell in love with this place for a reason. And I know things that um, have changed, like the status quo is not the status quo, right? Um, but that I'm excited to be their head coach and um, that I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know them and getting on the recruiting trail. You know, as soon as we break here, I'm going to hit the ground running and, and start to get in front of people. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I actually had some Purdue people when, when we had heard that Ryan Walters was in the mix tell me that, well, there's no way they're hiring a guy with no experience who's only play, only does defense. And it's like, oops, evidently they are. And, and so it's surprising. Um, in that regard, but because you know, it's like you go back to the day when Purdue really became a, a quality, obviously, Drew Brees, but it was Joe Tiller, basketball on grass, they call it right, getting out, throwing it, running, you know, almost like a spread, almost like a run and shoot type thing. Is, um, and I think that so that's what Purdue fans have expected, and that's what they expected to have happen. It didn't happen, but I'll tell you, Ryan Walters is innovative, and, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, he does a really good job, and you know. He's going to hire an offensive guy, I think, who's going to have you know maybe be maybe not like you know Joe Tiller, but they're gonna they're gonna not going to be maybe three yards in a cloud of dust either. I think you, this is where you get a chance for uh, Ryan Walters to become, and you see what he is because he may not espouse every opinion that Brett Bielma has, and maybe he wants a little more, um, you know, a little more innovative offense out there. Now, personally, you know, I was I was a huge fan of um, when they had uh, Daryl Hazel there as coach. I thought he was the perfect coach. As an Illini fan, I couldn't see why they let him go. But I think um, Walters there is going to have to go out. He connects well with players, and he's going to try to save this class and probably see who he can pick up to make up for anybody that Jeff Brom is going to take away. So it, he's got his work cut out for him, but you talk about an energetic, charismatic person. Um, that's Ryan Walters. Yeah, everyone just uh, speaks glowingly of him and his wife and two young boys and now house hunting in West Lafayette. And, and what a situation to come into. You take over, uh, you know, for Jeff Brom, who went back home to Louisville and his alma mater, his hometown. Um, you've got a team that came, is coming off uh, the West Division championship their first their first ever trip to the big 10 championship game uh you've got ross aid stadium uh, about to be renovated and so, so there's some excitement there anytime you do something to the stadium that's something um and and he's young you know there there's a gamble there at age 36 to see you know what you know we can go one of two ways it could either you guys look like geniuses or oh my goodness why'd you bring in this guy um but it says something that he's again at this age and uh, with his level of experience that um, they saw something in him to bring him in five-year deal for ryan walters uh, the coach uh, over at purdue much more to come more on what this move means for purdue and illinois straight ahead you're tuned in to the sports spectacular on the illini guys radio network at Busey wealth management we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. 
Catfish Newsmaker segment presented by Busey Bank. Matt Stevens, football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com, joins us. Uh, Matt, lots that we want to get to. Starting off, uh, I think we could assume this was not a surprise uh, for Brett Bielema of losing his defensive coordinator to a program somewhere. Maybe Purdue wasn't the team that he thought. Um, What's next in his search for a defensive coordinator? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of internal, uh, there's a lot of debate right now in the building about where Brett Bielema is going to go. Um, he's actually keeping this pretty close to the vest, even with his staff members. Um, if you're not Brett Bielema or somebody who he has text or phone conversations with on a constant hourly or daily basis, you probably don't know who it is. There are assistant coaches in the building right now that don't know who the next defensive coordinator is going to be. Trust me, I've asked. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we put together a hot board on IlliniGuys.com. Uh, and, you know, if, if again, I said it in our podcast with, with Mike Cagley that if, uh, if you had to make me bet on it, um, the betting favorite, I think, is still Kevin Kane. Um, because I, I, I've had a lot of people try to give me both sides of the equation in terms of sources on guys like Jim Leonard, uh, guys like, Chris Ash uh, and 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 guys like uh, uh, you know Paul Rhodes, uh, guys guys like uh, um, you know there's a whole bunch of candidates right now that that Brett Bielen was kind of going through and he has in his back pocket that he would go to at the at the ready, but uh, um, you know somehow Kevin Kane getting involved is, is what it all comes back to. For me, when it's, when I talk to sources, it comes back to, even if it's like a plan B backup option, safety net, if everything falls, falls through, if that's made any sense to everybody, great, because this is what I've been dealing with for the past 36 hours. So right now, if your name's not Brett Arnold Bielema, you probably don't know who the defensive coordinator is. And that includes me. Matt, don't you, don't you think that, I mean, don't you think Bielema really owes it to his program to at least kick the tires on a guy like Jim Leonard and, and see if he's interested? I mean, we've heard a lot about Leonard maybe going to the NFL uh, as a defensive coordinator, and and we know guys that go to the NFL and like it because they don't have to recruit, right? So, um, what is the? It, it, it's kind of he's got to do his due diligence, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Brad. I, I think. He has to kick the tires on Jim Leonard. I think he has to kick the tires on Chris Ash. He hasn't worked with Chris in almost a decade. Um, when I went back and looked at it, last time he worked with Chris was that one year he had with him in Arkansas back in 2013 before he left for Urban Meyer and Ohio State for two years and then got the Rutgers head coaching job. Um, Jim Leonard has never worked with Brett Bielema. The only connection that Jim Leonard really has with Brett Bielema is – as a senior, Brett Bielema became his defensive coordinator, and the story always goes is that when when Barry when Barry Alvarez, I'm sorry, uh, Brett became his head coach, um, and said, you know, if there's one guy you have to get, you know, locked in on this team and, and sold on and, and basically sold on everything you want to do when when I give this over to you, it's Jimmy Leonard. Um, so Jimmy played for Brett as a head coach one year and then went to the NFL. And then when he came back as a DB's coach, it was Paul Christ who hired him. So uh, there's a lot of vetting process that has to go into these guys because, Brad, as I said to Mike Kagan in our podcast, the 42-year-old Brett Bielema that left Wisconsin is not the same as the 52-year-old Brett Bielema we have now. And so I think there's a lot of different elements here that, that are going to get brought into this search, one of which is that Brett Bielema is a different person. And I think he's going to kick the tires on a lot of people 
um, based off of what I've been hearing and, and what his experience in the NFL under Belichick has led him to believe is the most important thing. But there's also a lot of chemistry in that in that coaching staff right now. And I think that um, he doesn't want to upset the apple cart on that one either. So, um, you know, Kevin Kane is there. Tell us a little bit about his background and why, you know, he on the staff already might be a really viable candidate as well. If Kevin Kane were to get this job, this is why he left SMU. He was a defensive coordinator and a defensive play caller for Sonny Dykes at SMU. Sonny Dykes is an offensive coach. So when he hires a defensive coordinator like Kevin Kane at SMU, he's letting him have his own autonomy on that side of the ball and, and everything that goes along with that. Kevin left that in order to work with Brett Bielema, Ryan Walters, and Andy Boo and have a com, you know combination of a group effort of those four guys, including himself, so that he can learn and be better prepared for, A, being a defensive coordinator in a Power 2 conference or a Power 5 conference later on in life, because Kevin's only 30 still. He's my age. He's only 38 years old. Two, um, Kevin Kane wants to be a head coach, and there's no doubt about that And anybody who talks to him about anybody in that building. And he's he's been on the job training and learning. And 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 trust me, I'm not going to, you know, water down the effort of Ryan Walters and what he did to completely transform the defensive side of the football at the University of Illinois. But I do know it was a group effort among those four guys to do everything they could to get Illinois back to where they are defensively. Kevin Kane was at least a fourth part of that effort. And I think that Brett Bielema knows that. And if he picks Kevin Kane, guess what? He not only knows that the most important position, one of the more important positions on, on his defense, the, that outside edge rusher um, linebacker spot is going to be taken care of. Suburban Chicago, in terms of recruiting, is going to be taken care of. And I think he knows that the scheme won't change and the players really, really like Kevin um, in that up and down that building, no matter what position group it is. So I think that he, Brett has all of that information already in his head as he goes through this process. Matt, got about a minute left here. Let's uh, play devil's advocate. Let's let's follow that rabbit trail. Let's say Kane uh, becomes your new defensive coordinator. Who takes Kane's spot? Who's the other coach hired? You know, I, I agree with Mike Farrell and what he put out on Illini guys on Wednesday morning. That you know, Jayaloa is, and I, I butchered that name, and I apologize, but um, is the defensive backs coach at Oklahoma, and I think he would get a call because you know Brett is familiar with him with his time at Wisconsin as a player and and and, and as a coach. I also think there's a possibility, and I, I've heard this at least from one end of one source that I have, is that Terry Hawthorne, who used to be the director of player operations at Illinois, and then went to go get some experience at Southern Illinois this year as a defensive backs coach, would get a phone call and they'd kick the tires on Terry and see if he's ready to come back home and be one of the 10 assistant coaches. This is one of the things that I think, and, and there's also some internal guys that could get promoted as long along with Kevin. He brought some dudes with him from SMU in that operation who are, you know, graduate assistants and analysts um, in that staff. So I think that they would kick the tires on them and see if they're ready to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a major operation. You need to have the chemistry between that person and Aaron Henry work out really well because that's what Ryan Walters had is the unbelievable chemistry with Aaron Henry. And I think that, you you know, Brett, Brett's got to evaluate all that and see how it works. But yeah, if Kevin Kane were to get promoted, I think Brett, you know, like I've said before, has that list of guys that he would immediately turn to for a DB's coach, a safety's coach, because he has that list for every position group he has. Um, based on his experience, both at Wisconsin and at Arkansas, he lost his, he lost assistance pretty much every year. These last two years at Illinois have been almost rare birds in the sense that the staff has been able to 
stay together so well. Um, Bielema knows that as Illinois gets better and has starts to have more consistent seven, eight, nine win seasons, that's not going to happen. And so these lists are in his hip, you're either in his pocket or in his desk drawer, and they're ready to go immediately when these, these moves happen. Great stuff. I think one thing we can agree is that the program is in really good hands to lose a coordinator to, like you said, a power two school and have some really very talented options to go to next. Hey, Matt, thanks for the info. We will see you on IlliniGuys.com. Not a problem. Damn happy for Ryan, by the way. I think it's an awesome move. And I think Purdue eventually, I know that immediately it may not be the case, but eventually I think they're going to be really happy with what Ryan brings to the table. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Matt Stevens, follow him on Twitter and again on IlliniGuys.com for the very latest on this coaching search. Uh, some intriguing names to be sure as the veteran Brett Bielema looks toward 2023 and beyond. Keep it here. The conversation continues up next. This is David Williams, a leading receiver from the University of Illinois, here on Illini Guy on Sports Spectacular. Go Illini. Well, so much to talk about. We've uh, got the Ryan Walters thing out of the way for now. Let's talk about some other stories uh, around the country in college basketball. The other big story of the week, Chris Beard, the Texas Longhorns coach. Um, it appears a domestic violence situation, uh, choking a person at his home in the wee hours uh, a Monday morning. Um, sounds like it's his fiance suspended indefinitely from the team. And guys, it sounds like the investigation into this is not going to go quickly. He, he could be out for quite a while. Yeah, it's, it's man, I don't know. It's, um, it, it's really one of those things where they're going to have to do an investigation. They have to let the legal process play out. And, you know, we've heard the spin from both sets of attorneys or both sides, you know, both uh, the accuser and the, uh, you know, and, and coach beard. So, you know, it may be the whole season, to be honest. I mean, it could be the whole season. And, and I I've heard, I've seen all these Texas boards. They're looking for replacements. Who's going to be the replacement? Because, you know, if it's, if it's true, it's hard to keep in, in today's day and age, man, it's hard to keep a guy who's done that. You know what I mean? If he really is choking people, um, uh, domestic violence stuff. I mean, that's serious stuff. And man, I just don't, I don't know how he keeps stays there. Yeah. And, and, you know, you don't want to rush to judgment. Obviously no one would condone any of that behavior. Um, but you, you got to think that no matter what happened, or even if he's exonerated, the videos and the images of him standing there in the black and gray striped, uh, that's going to be on the news printed on newspapers across student sections as they do their read the newspaper and not pay attention to the game routine. Um, it's going to be something that is, you know, thrown at him forever. And obviously it could be much worse than that. Um, puts Texas in a horrible situation. Um, you, your behavior puts at risk. $5 million a year for five years. Um, no, there's no upside to this story. Curious. I want your opinion on this. Um, I think that there is a different standard for different um, incidents when it comes to college versus pro. Um, is, is this, is the situation made worse because he is a college coach as opposed to a, maybe he were in the pros? I think it is. I think it's also, and, and this sounds terrible, but I think it's depends on who it is too. I mean, I think if beard had won four national titles, he'd probably get away with it a little quicker or a little more. I mean, I think, and I, it sounds terrible, but 
Um, I do think there is probably more, you know, college, you're supposed the molder and shaper of young people. Right. And so it's a little different, but um, yeah, but I, I do think there's, there's, there's definitely different standards depending on which league you're in and also which, you know, what, what you've done, whether you've won a lot of games or haven't won games. And whether you're on video or not, you know, uh, Ray, Ray Rice, <laughs> Ray Rice. Yep. you know, he's, he's done forever on anything like that. And, and maybe if more people, you know, were on film, the, the horror would, would do that to more guys. It, it, it's just, like I said, a situation that is unfortunate. And I think, um, you know, you do expect more from a coach of young people. And and to be honest with you, I, I'm not certain that an NBA coach should have any different set of rules. Well, I mean, we're seeing a little bit with the Boston Celtics. No, you know, there's some videotape there in terms of um, extracurricular um, uh, relationships, uh, inappropriate relationships, nothing that's violent like we're discussing here. But the coach there, Yudoka, um, you know, his career certainly put on hold indefinitely uh, because of that. No longer with the Celtics. And look at what they're doing without him. They're going on to, you know, <laughs> you know they're killing it right now in the first half of the season. So uh, Chris Beard of Texas, they did get the win of the night, took overtime to get it against Rice, but they really struggled. And you wonder uh, what's happening there. And not just, uh, you know, does he survive this and stay at Texas? But if he doesn't stay at Texas, what happens? You know, it may prohibit him from going elsewhere because of this. I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, another big incident, and as you guys know, I had a front row seat to this. Uh, the video that went viral out of the Georgia High School Football Championships and the touchdown that wasn't. Um, if you recognize the, the voice, the announcer's voice on the call, yes, that was yours truly. I was there. Uh, there's a reason that I waited for the official uh, call from the line judge. He comes in, incredibly signals a touchdown. We didn't think he was in. The replay showed that he wasn't. We thought maybe the ball squirted out and was recovered by somebody and landed on it was a touchdown. But um, you guys have both coached uh, on different levels. Um, how, how, how bad is this, in your opinion, for both, not just the team that, quote-unquote, won, but also the team that, quote-unquote, lost, the defending champion, uh, Cedar Grove, and, and the team that won Sandy Creek? Well, it's, it's like a it- – puts a, it's ter- I mean that is such an egregiously bad call that it puts everybody in a bad light I mean the team that won people are saying well they didn't deserve to win now I will say this they they did have another down right I mean they so they they may have gotten in on the next play so maybe they win anyway but we'll never know like we'll never know if they would have got in and the team that lost they're going home going we really won because they didn't get in so or you know we would have stopped on fourth down too you know that that was their mindset so We'll never know exactly what would have happened, but it's pretty clear that we, we don't know who won this game, but they picked a winner based on uh, just a, a, I don't even know how you look at that yeah. and get a touchdown. Like, I mean, why doesn't one of the other guys say, look, dude, you called that a touchdown, but he's way back here. That can't be a touchdown. I mean, you can, you can make that adjustment and make the right call in that situation, but they chose not to. Yeah, and and I gotta be honest with you. If I was the coach of the team that won, I'd probably I wouldn't have done it that day. But I'd probably be like looking at that trophy, going, "Yeah, I think the other team deserves it." And I think I would see if we could do a trophy switch. You know, wouldn't cha- maybe change the record books, but it's hard to say you want to state championship for those who didn't see the video. I mean, literally, it was like a it was like a running play into the line that the guy was tackled on the one yard line, and then out of nowhere comes the touchdown sign and the players were confused. The refs were clearly confused. 
Larry did about as good a job as you can possibly do of, of announcing such an event. And, um, you know, look, humans make mistakes every day. That was just a really bad one. And unfortunately, they don't have replay. Um, and maybe, you know, Larry, maybe you can talk about some things that might at least make it better for the future. Yeah, I, I believe that I can't speak officially, but I, I'm, I'm hearing some buzz that that they are considering uh, putting playing for the first time in Georgia high school football championships. I mean, it's my ninth year doing this. That's the most difficult call I've had. I mean, there was another one in 2017 and some different teams. Uh, again, one of the smaller classes. I did not. I was in the building, did not do that game. Um, but that was one little easier call, kind of wide open. Like, how do you call this? This was one that just was terrible. And I even talked to the the cameraman who had the assignment right there on the goal line and asked him what he saw. And his flippant remark was, well, he didn't score. I didn't see a touchdown. So yeah, I got that. I know that part. What else did you see? And he said, the running back I actually looked up at the official and like, it said like, really? Like he, even he was surprised. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, this was, by the way, a little bit of history. This was actually played at the former Turner field home of the Braves, which is uh, sports historians know also was formerly the Olympic stadium where Muhammad Ali uh, famously um, lit the torch to begin the 1996 summer Olympics. And now it's, uh, been uh, reconfigured again into a football venue for Georgia State University. Um, the word is the Georgia football championships will go back to Mercedes-Benz Dome next year, where they, they were for the first two years of that Dome's existence before they went away. There's a lot of technology there. So um, I think a little embarrassed because Alabama, the neighboring state, does have instant replay. Georgia does not. So uh, <laughs> we will see. I just want them – here's an idea. If you're going to do it, don't do it in my game. So I yeah. – I'm not tied to it and then have to make the awkward, you know, pseudo excited call about the champion, even though deep down, you know, there's always the asterisk there. And it was uh, tough. It was a very well-played game. And uh, there's about a dozen kids there at least going on from both teams to division one programs. So uh, there you have that. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out right now. Um, Let's talk some top 25 hoops. And if you missed what Brad Underwood said about his team last week, don't go anywhere. This was um, uh, fiery. To say the least, this is a sports spectacular. I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying watching the college basketball rankings go through a natural correction each week as it pertains to the Big Ten. A conference that began the season with only three ranked teams and a universal cry of how weak the league is this year has now seen eight different teams crack the AP Top 25. Five currently in the rankings this week with Purdue unranked in the preseason, climbing to number one and a bevy of upsets. Rutgers at home to Indiana, Northwestern Michigan State, uh, Penn State and Illinois, just to name a few, uh, suggest that league play is going to be brutal this winter. Yeah, I, I'm still not sold that there is a Big Ten team that is going to win it all. But there's about, there's like 10 Big Ten teams that can beat you on a given night, like a, a really good team. I mean, they're in the first round, they make the first round of the NCAA tournament. They're probably teams you don't want to play in that first round. Um, but you know, can they win six in a row? We'll see, but it's, it's a deep league. I mean, there's no easy, I mean, you look at, nobody's going to go 18 and two or 19 and one. I mean, I know Purdue's ranked number one, but man, they, it's just hard. It is going to be hard. They struggled at Nebraska, who is considered to be one of the bottom teams in the big 10, um, so, yeah, it kind of gives you an idea of what this league's going to look like uh, as the year goes on. Yeah, it's going to be hard to predict. I mean, and even on a national basis, I'm not certain in my mind. Well, I'm, I am certain that there's no super teams out there. And to be honest, 
I think Virginia and Houston are tough as nails. And then beyond that, I'm not certain what the difference is between the number three team and the number 20 team. Um, there's a lot of parity out there this year. And then you do have some teams like Illinois that are that the deck has been reshuffled and there's a lot of newcomers that will probably be much better in March than they are today. Um, so it, it, it should be a, a fantastic Big Ten season with a lot of ups and downs. I think there's going to be a lot of fans on Twitter who are really, really, you know, just like a roller coaster ride as they go through the emotions of being upset and upsetting somebody else. Wait, a volatile Twitter? That would be vol- shocking. I think it's going to be incredibly volatile this year. <laughs> that would be wow. I've never seen that. What do you think the wins will be? I mean, I mean, how many losses do you think the Big Ten champion's going to have? I think I think it could be fifteen and five this year. I really do. Fourteen and six or fifteen and five. I think will win the Big Ten this year. I think there's going to be that kind of um, you know kind of a topsy turvy situation. Yeah, I, I don't see a 17 and three, 16 and four. Um, and you've got so many teams just with with Jekyll and Hyde. You mentioned you know, Purdue beating Gonzaga and Duke. Again, we don't know how good they are because Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina are just artificially placed in the preseason top 10. Um, and so when you beat them, did you beat a top 10 team? On paper, you did. But are they really? And so that's kind of part of the question. Um, and then, like you said, they struggle at, at a Nebraska. You've got Illinois that 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 knocks off number two, Texas in overtime on a neutral court and then lays an egg at home against Penn state. How much of this also is transfer portal and early season. Yeah. You've got names of guys in star recruits, star transfers, but they haven't played together yet. How much of that is just teams that take a little bit longer to gel than what maybe teams of 10, 15 years ago might. Well, I think that's part of it. I I mean, you look at a team like uh, Penn state beating Illinois they're old. Penn State's the oldest team in Power Five. I mean, they got like four fifth-year seniors and a and a fourth-year senior. So they're they're old. You look at team some of these teams that have these older guys that can really make plays, and then you got a team like Purdue that's kind of surprising because they only got you know got two freshmen coming in, but they still have that mainstay in Zach Eady in the middle. So it helps them. So we look. I think you look at the there. There's a lot of things moving parts. That I don't think we see these teams. At their best, we're going to find out in February who the best teams are in the conference and not till then. Yeah, and you'll certainly see who the better coaches are because they've got to integrate and and turn this group of individuals into a team. And and I do think Purdue's the one that I think is really interesting because they're a throwback to the old days and Edie at seven foot four and 285 pounds. You know, he was a problem for even a guy Kofi Coburn's size to handle. And there's nobody the size of Kofi left. So you've got this one, it's like Jack and the Beanstalk out there. And and I wonder if we might have a throwback in college, at least in the Big Ten. Well, you know, some coaches light a fire under their players after a bad game. Illinois' Brad Underwood took a blowtorch into the locker room after that 74-59 loss to Penn State in the Illini's Big Ten home opener. That, again, came on the heels of that overtime thriller over then number two ranked Texas. Uh, here's the wrath of Daddy Brad. But that's not to discredit any Penn State did I knew it. I've had this one circled on the calendar since the league schedule came out. And I knew we're playing in the Jimmy B. That's uh, one pretty easy to get excited about. And uh, I knew, I've known we're going to have nights like this with an extremely young team. 
like we're the second youngest in the Power Five. I knew those these nights were coming. Uh, I can live with all of that, except the complete lack of leadership and the complete lack of effort that was given today. Period. From the very first play that they scored to the two practices before this game. Completely unacceptable. The lack of leadership on this team is zero. It is none. Un inexcusable. We'll find out who's who wants to be a part of playing hard and doing it the right way. All the credit to Penn State. They deserve to win the game. They punched us in the mouth. They're old. The oldest team in the country. And they played like grown men. We played... Uh, uh, very, very uninspired basketball from uh, uh, the second we landed from Madison Square Garden uh, until now. We have, we have been atrocious in practice. Maybe the two worst days of practice leading up to a game I've been a part of, and that's leadership. That's leadership. Plain and simple leadership. Put it in bold, damn print. Leadership. Lack of. And no effort. It's what happens when you in this league when you when you when you have none of that. Okay, questions? Coach, it seemed that over here, um seemed like lineups um it is your best lineup offensively and also your best lineup defensively, or is that something that you're still trying to work out? Who guarded? Who scored? I mean, we, we gave up 47 the first half. We scored 59 for the game. So you tell me which one was good either at either end of the court. I have no earthly idea. I was just trying to find guys a player. This didn't have anything to do with X's and O's. This had everything to do with heart and, and, and being tough enough to compete for the jersey that you wear every single day. Offensive defense was a disgrace. It didn't matter who we had on the floor. I don't know. I read him Trent Frazier's text. Ask him about that next time you talk to him. That he's leading from Serbia. Every day, guys. Every day. Every day. It's not about having the media and everybody else kiss their butt when you play hard in front of, in, in, in Madison Square Garden and beat a good team. We've proven we can beat really good teams. But to do it every single day, and we had one of our players say it in the locker room, man, we just lost to Penn State. That was our attitude for two days. That's why I've had this this game circled. There's no easy ones in this league. Penn State deserves everything they get. They're, they're really good. And when you let them shoot 27 wide open threes, and I think Pickett had 18 at half and six assists. If he got 30 tonight, I was great with it. But he couldn't have the six assists to go with it. And the first possession of the game is a blown coverage because nobody wants to move. Brady talked a lot about TJ's leadership since he's gotten here. <laughs> That's what I thought of that today. What, what has changed the last two games? Obviously, regulations got eight points. I don't know. Ask him. He brought it for two days in practice. I told our staff he was going to be terrible today. For two days. For two days. Show you how. Uh, you guys know I don't usually come in here like this after a loss. But I'm just telling you, our approach to this game right now 
is immature and it's, it's, it, it lacks complete, complete 100% lack of leadership. And if I got to go back to leading again, this team's in trouble. Somebody on this team's got to step up. Some people don't like that. Um, I, I'm more of the mind. I think it was uh, one of those things where it was kind of good because he, you can't do this all the time. Like you, you can't be that guy after every time you lose or whatever. But I think he knew that it was going to happen based on his conversations. He knew that he was going to be like this because the Thursday and Friday practices for that Saturday game were two of the worst practices he said he's ever had uh, since he came to Illinois. So I don't have a problem with it. I think it's, you know, he called him out. Kids respond to that. Some of them do. Not all of them will, but some of them respond and say, all right, we understand what we have to do. And, you know, and, and, and you try and learn from it. But I, I think it was, it was very, it was entertaining if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there was all sorts of sound effects that were in there, which was great too. <laughs> um, I, I do think though, that, you know, when you have a team that's younger and they just came off of that victory at Texas, this type of face flop, and that's what it was, was a face flop. Um, it, it provides coaches a lot of material to, to edge, you know, to coach on. And it gives you a, certainly a motivation for the players to pay attention. And I think that this is one where you're right. It's better to get someone's attention now um, than, than, than later because it's too late. If it's February, first week of February, it's too late then at that point, if you're not getting their attention. Um, you know, it sounds like, again, that you know, like Brad said, their practices were, were horrible those two days leading up to it. Um, and, and get their retention. Look, if you're going to be an elite program, that's, that's, you know, you, you expect to go win like the game against Texas and you expect to come home and win against a team like Penn state, nothing against Penn state. Um, but a little bit of, of immaturity, um, not just for this, these players, but also I think for the program, um, one that hasn't been back among the good teams for very long. And, uh, so yeah, so listen, lessons there. And uh, again, Illinois playing, uh, uh, they play out of conference, Alabama A&M. Uh, on Saturday. Let us uh, pay some bills and then more to come after this. When life gets hectic, you need healthcare that's easy. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. 24-7, 365 virtual care options means we're always on, just like you. Visit osfoncall.org slash urgent care to find a clinic near you or to start a virtual visit. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. 
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, in case you missed it, Wednesday, a monumental event in California, the Board of Regents, they're voting 11 to 5 to allow UCLA to join the Big Ten in 2024. It's been a bone of contention here for the past few months, ever since UCLA uh, announced their intentions to uh, go, um, you know, lockstep with USC and, and head east, young man, um, into, into the Big Ten and all of the larger money payoff that the Big Ten would offer. Um, but it turns out in the end, they didn't hold them back, but at the same time, there may be some payments. Um, and it's unclear if it's an, a one-time payment, if it's an annual thing. Did you guys read about that? Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I, if you can figure all this out, um, you, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'd have to see a contract because I, I, the reporting is like all over the place too. You know what I mean? Like one, one time it's this, one time it's that, and it's going to be, so I don't know. And the money, num- the numbers change. So I don't know. I don't know, Larry. You've yeah, once once you get the politicians involved, there's no sense in trying to unpeel that onion because it's going to be too hard to figure out. Um, I, I do think that that this was the you know we've talked on this show that that we were confident that UCLA would be allowed into the Big Ten, and um, it happened. And now if if they have to peel off a little bit of you know a little wad of bills to make. Uh, UC Berkeley happy, then I'm sure everything will work out just well, fine. I mean, everybody's got to take their piece of the pie, right? I mean, you got to have a little bit. Give me yeah, a little you bit. got to wet my beak, I think is what they said <laughs> in The Godfather. Yeah. Well, and so we do know UCLA gets to go. Now we will wait and see if, if Cal follows. The next piece we're going to see is the Pac-12 media rights deal, which was being held up by this. I mean, the Pac-12 commissioner said, hey, look, there's no way we're going to sign off on a deal until we get this thing ironed out. So we now know currently 10 teams in the Pac-12 moving forward. I guess to go back to the Pac-10. We'll see if they add any more, if there's some more teams that jump. But I think the media rights deal and the wording of that will be able to tell us uh, quite a bit. Speaking of uh, the wording of things, how about baseball contracts? Major League Baseball, you cannot come anymore and plead poverty with some of the deals that you are signing some of these players. I mean, they're hundreds of millions of dollars, 13 years contracts. I, I'm just, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I, I think they've all gone insane. I mean, I, I guess there's what that tells me is there's a lot of money out there in baseball, but I think it's become like, you know, like basketball is to a certain extent, it's become star driven so that we're going to sign our top three or four guys to these massive contracts. And then we're going to fill in with young guys and it's the team that can probably, you know, their stars got to stay healthy and then they fill in with the best young guys. So it's much like the NBA is set up. It's much like the NFL is set up in the sense that, you know, the quarterbacks are making 40 or 50 million or, you know, and, and the other guys got to, they got to fill in around them. So I guess it's similar, but man, 13 year contracts. <laughs> I mean, that's they'll be like, they'll be like 80. Mike would be 80 in 13 years. I tell you what, I get two words for you. Bobby Bonilla, you know, I mean, can they not learn? Can you not learn from history folks? <laughs> Apparently not. It's insane. It, it is insane that the contracts that go out there, I guess the giants, uh, they got the, you know, the shortstop from Astros record deal ever for a shortstop. And that's big considering that, that Derek Jeter hasn't been retired that long and the money he made in New York. 
Um, it was almost like the Giants said, well, we didn't get judged. So where else can we spend our money? Hey, come over here. Um, and there you have it. Hey, and there you have it for us for right now. We're going to take a quick time out right now. Back with much more next on Sports Spectacular. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry Smith, Mike Kangley, Brad Sturdy here on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Let's take a moment and recognize the legendary Devin Witherspoon. And I, I call him a legend because he's been named to the first team on four of the five official All-America teams. He's the 21st Illini to achieve that, and as a result, He'll have a plaque mounted in Grange Grove, a banner in the Great West Hall in Memorial Stadium, and a jersey hung in the Smith Center. What a career for the defensive back, Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, a no-star guy out of high school who becomes a first-team consensus All-American. It's just really crazy. when you see. And even look back at the start of this year, I mean, I think people thought he'd be solid. I don't think anybody realized what they, what Illinois had in Devin Witherspoon preseason, like how good, because now he's looked at like a first or second round draft pick too. So this is a guy looking at the next level and, you know, obviously getting all these accolades, but he's got a great future in the NFL as well. There's no question about that. And when you look at um, just, you know, the, the defensive backs, as we, as we talk about as Ryan Walters leaving, can they continue that tutelage? You look what Kirby Joseph did last year and ended up being a third round pick and uh, what an impact he had on this uh, Detroit Lions team as a rookie um, Witherspoon being projected as a first rounder, late first round. Um, and to your point, for somebody who came out of high school uh, with not the, the, the biggest of honors or biggest of, uh, of respect in terms of uh, his recruiting evaluation, what a turnaround, what a, what, a, what a job he's done with the hard work to work himself into this position. Yeah, very impressive. And I, and I think that just shows you, you know, the, the, the you know, Brett Bielema's program and what they're able to, what they've done here um, to just to bring this to this level. I mean, it's kind of shocking when you see all these All-American lists because who expected that? I mean, you, you didn't expect to have all these guys making All-Americans. You didn't expect a guy like Devin Weatherspoon to be a consensus first-team All-American. I got to call out, I think it was Sporting News that didn't have him on any team. Right. <laughs> How? How? Like everybody else has him on first team or second team. Eh, we didn't have him at all. We, we It's like they forgot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. I'm, yeah, I meant oh, to put him in, but now we've oh, already. My bad. Oh, my yeah. bad. I forgot about that. Exactly. Uh, several other players. We should mention, by the way, he's the first consensus All-America since, uh, I believe, Whitney Merciless in 2011. Uh, that's just how. Uh, how impressive that is. Uh, several other players making multiple All-America teams. Chase Brown, uh, the running back, uh, kind of got blocked out of a lot of most first teams by uh, Blake Corm at Michigan. A little unfortunate, but what a great career for Chase. No, listen, uh, second team All-America is nothing to sneeze at. So Chase, yeah. uh, for NFL money. Um, Alex Polcheski, uh, uh, Johnny Newton, uh, Chase's twin brother, Sidney Brown. Happy to see him uh, as a defensive back getting some national notice as well. Yeah, those guys, I mean, and this is what happens. And you, you go back when when your team wins, you get the accolades. Iota Sumu in basketball, first team All-American, Kofi Coburn, first team All-American. Wouldn't have happened if they weren't winning. You know, you go back when, you know, I think it was uh, Illinois had D. Brown, Darren Williams, Luther Head. They won, so they made All-American teams. And so now you've got, you know, you're winning enough that you, these guys get noticed. If they were going, you know, if they're 
four and eight, they aren't having five guys on the all American team. So this is what, you know, winning, you know, kind of gets you these individual accolades, but you got to win games to get there. And, and I think too, that you, Illinois for the first time in a long time had some games on national TV. I mean, you know, you were on, you know, ESPN a few times, you were on ABC a couple of times and nothing against being on, on BTN or on a, a game that's streaming. Um, that means something because it, what it means is that the nation doesn't have to find you. Um, they don't have to go. They're, they're not going to seek you out. Um, they're changing the channel and you pop up. Um, you were ranked for a few weeks. That means your highlights are shown more on the different, uh, the various shows and halftime shows, that kind of thing. So the things you're doing, um, you know, become more mainstream. Um, and I mentioned, you know, Chase Brown. Well, Blake Corum is the Michigan running back. So he got all the preseason hype and the attention. Chase had to earn his every week and was always behind uh, Corum in name recognition. Um, it's just kind of the way it is. But I think it's, um, to your point, it's just fantastic. And what a great recruiting tool to take all these names out there. It was not just one position. You can say, we've got a running back. We've got two defensive backs. We've got a defensive lineman. We have an offensive lineman. Uh, that all went out and and um, and were among the best in the nation because they're part of this program and they're able to able to develop their skills uh, within our program. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think this is this is what Illinois can sell, and not just in the high school ranks, but in this transfer portal because you can say, look, hey, you were oh, you were fine, you were good, but now you're going to come here. Look what we get. Look what we're able to do with these guys. We're going to get them. You know, we get them noticed. So. And that's another thing too. Illinois finishing the season eight and four, the team accolades, uh, fantastic. And again, eight and four, and that's on the low side. The potential was you could have been much better than that. And, and everyone, yeah. you know, from the top all the way down, they admit this was really, um, you know, more of like a 10 win team. Um, and you've got that now the individual accolades again, as you said, and by the way, a big shout out to Palco as well. The first Illinois offensive lineman in the modern era to be a first team uh, all America. And I believe uh, also you could say, I think he was three of the five, I think consensus all America. Um, the last time you had an Illinois lineman who did that um, was way back when they played two way, you know, a hundred years ago. So um, not only that comes back for a six season, sets all kinds of records and, uh, and caps off with an all American season. So great job uh, there for Palco. Kedrick Prince is on the way, breaking in that new lasso as he grabs some recruiting news that's coming up next here on the sports spectacular. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Sports Spectacular continues. Larry, Mike, Brad, and uh, joined by the man of the 10-gallon hat. He needs no introduction. If, if I said 10-gallon hat, chaps, 
horse lasso. You know who it is. Kedrick Prince. He's the director of recruiting for IlliniGuys.com. Riding in on a trusty horse despite all this weather out here. Uh, through rain, sleet, and shine, he brings the goods. Ked, good to have you on the show as always. Um, I want to start, though, first with, you know, we talked quite a bit with Sturdy here in the last hour about basketball. Um, you're also close to this program. Look, last Saturday um, was abysmal. What are your thoughts in terms of um, this week, exam week? You couldn't get a lot of work done because of that. Where's this team go from here starting on Saturday, in your opinion? Well, Coach Underwood, you know, sounded the he sounded the alarms last Saturday. He wanted you know, not only his basketball team, but all the fans to know and understand that, hey, this wasn't acceptable. Um, just from what I've been told this week, there's been a lot of one-on-one meetings with the players, with themselves. They've had conversations talking amongst themselves that I'm not even sure the coaches are, are aware of it, but I think that shows the leadership that he was talking about. I know the players knew that they laid an egg and they had an opportunity to go one-on-one in the Big Ten. And I don't think they're embarrassed because it was Penn State. It's just the way they played. So um, I, I that leadership um, ticket that he was trying to punch, I think you're going to see a, a lot. I think you're going to see a difference in a lot of those kids um, in the next few weeks because that hit home with them. So one of the, one of the questions, I guess, out there, we're hearing a lot of chatter in regards to uh, Texas Tech having a double-double machine who's interested in Illinois. What are you hearing? Well, um, his name is Fardal Amok. He is a 6'11 kid um, from Texas Tech. And you're right, you know, 19 points and, you know, 13, 14 rebounds a game. I mean, the, what, the only thing I will say where this may be attractive, where there may be some traction to it, there's a lot of Illinois uh, followers that he's following on social media, and that's kind of just picked up. Um, I'm trying to find out myself if there's any truth to it, but usually if a kid on social media starts to trend one way to follow a certain group of guys or a team, that means there's probably some interest there. So, um, but I mean, there's a, I mean, and I guess he's eligible to play right away too. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see. I mean, you know, he's a good player, uh, obviously coming off an injury, but it's hard to see where he fits in this team as another big guy with all the guys they have already and adding, uh, you know, Zach Perrin um, soon and um, potentially, and then also with, um, you know, Amani Hansbury coming in next year with already having Dane Danger and, and uh, you know, those guys, and not to mention some of the younger guys. And, and then in 2024, you're bringing in Marez Johnson. It's like, there's a lot of bigs, so I don't know how he really fits on this roster, despite the fact that he's a really talented guy. So it's tough for Illinois to probably fit him in, even if they wanted to. Interesting on that. Well, let's talk football now. Of course, the big story on campus this week, Ryan Walter is going to Purdue, uh, the defensive coordinator. What an amazing job he did in only two seasons. Um, you know, anytime you lose uh, any coach, but a head coach or a coordinator, you've got to be concerned about the recruits that you have uh, verbaled about them flipping. Look, signing A is, is next Wednesday. What are you guys hearing about um, the kids who have committed to Illinois in this class of 2023, sticking with the Illini and, and not looking elsewhere? Well, I had a chance to talk to um, several of the guys um, earlier in, in the week and because of the news with Coach Ryan Walters. And the one thing I will say, um, football is a lot different than basketball, guys. I mean, when you typically, if a kid commits to a basketball program, they traditionally stick and they stay. They don't, 
you know, think, okay, I'm going to leave before signing day. But in football, it happens quite a bit. Now, the kids that I talked to or the student athletes that I spoke with, they all seem to be bought in. They all said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm 100% a man. I'm going to sign. But I also know with all these coaching changes and there's going to be phone calls made to other coaches, everybody's trying to improve their rosters. So there's no way between now and December 21st, next Wednesday, um, that there won't be some phone calls made from some of these coaches because it happens all over the country. But, you know, just to give an example, um, one of the kids I talked to, Patrick Farrell, um, he's a 6'5 um, kid from Chicago, St. Rita. Uh, he seemed 100, he said he's 100% in, but he was kind of slow about it, you know. And I think some of the kids were upset, obviously, that Coach Walters left. Yeah, and I think that's normal um, when you have this. Uh, you're going to have changes. I think where it really hurts, Illinois, I, from all the kids that I've talked to or we've talked to at IlliniGuys.com, where you can find a lot of this information, has been that uh, been they, they want to stay with Illinois, all the kids that are currently committed. I think it hurts with the kids who aren't yet committed, though. There was a couple of kids they were down to the wire with going signing day type decisions that they're going to be probably not get now because especially the guys on the defensive side of the ball that Walters had a, you know, big uh, part in recruiting. So, you know, overall, you know, if you can keep, you know, most of these guys together um, and I think whoever Brett Bielema hires could have an impact too um, on, on the, whether it's consistency or, or whatever um, as far as recruiting and, and who they have connections with. So yeah, there's a, it's a lot to play out, but like Ken says, football is really crazy. It, goes down to signing day before guys are signed. You just never know what's going to happen um, leading up to signing day. And that's when you have your entire staff intact. Like nobody leaves. I mean, it's still crazy even without that, despite, <laughs> and now you've got a defensive coordinator you're trying to, to fill. And then there was the, the guy, you know, to add a, a name to uh, Wednesday night that came in uh, tight end Tanner Arkin from Colorado state in the transfer reporter announcing that he's coming uh, to Illinois. He was a 2002 preseason all mountain West um, candidate as a redshirt freshman and now have multiple years of eligibility left uh, once he uh, comes into Brett Bielema's program. Hey, want to give a quick shout out um, to all of you guys, uh, Ked, Brad, and, and Matt, the job you did uh, all week long at chasing down this, uh, this Ryan Walter story. Matt, the job that he did in the most professional manner um, with the Mike Leach story from the moment that, uh, that he had the medical episode at home uh, until after his passing, uh, using his contacts and really giving uh, our IlliniGuys.com members um, some inside information in terms of what was going on. And, uh, and again, one of the first to report uh, just what a special uh, person and talent that, that he was on the coaching side. And then, of course, Ryan Walters, all that he did. And we should point out as well, Matt and Brad will be in Tampa for the ReliQuest Bowl uh, down there all week. So we'll have plenty of coverage again on IlliniGuys.com and here on IlliniGuys Sports Spectacular. Ked, we appreciate it so much. You can take that 10-gallon hat and head out. and We will see you next week. Stay with us. Much more coming up. The women's basketball team that's just been playing amazing to start the season, 9-2. and two, And we will talk about uh, Shauna Green and the coaching staff and what this program is doing. And we'll talk with the Illini gal, Adalia McKenzie. That's next on the Sports Spectacular. Packages start at $29.99 a month with sign agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's 
award-winning home security systems, starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athletes stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. This is Brad Underwood. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Well, the Illini women off to, guys, a fantastic start. Nine and two as they head down to Mizzou for a Sunday afternoon game, 4 p.m. tip down there. What a job Shauna Green and her staff have done in their first uh, first few months here in town. Yeah, you know, they're coming off a season when they won, I think, was, was it seven games? Yeah. Seven games. So now they've won nine, and they've only played 11. So that's really good. Yeah. When you play 30 and only win seven, that's not as good. So this is a, it's a fantastic start They're And they're fun because they're also scoring. They're scoring 81 points a game. Um, they're averaging winning by 23 points a game. And obviously, you know, schedule is going to get tougher as they start playing in the big 10, but I, I'm, I'm really just excited about what they've done in just short time, because this is now, you know, when you're on the recruiting trail, now you can, you have something to sell. Like, look what we did in one year. And look what we're going to do in the future. And so whether it's the transfer portal, whether it's high school recruiting, man, they've got a lot to sell right now for the future. Yeah. And, and the, Coach Green and, and her staff and these gals playing for Illinois are going to ruin it for everybody who comes later on who says, hey, we want to take some time to build this program right. Well, they're going to point back and go, well, I don't know. Coach Green built it pretty quick. Can't you hurry it up? so basically you know she's going to go from like a favorite of uh, coach coach Bielma and and uh, coach Underwood but the coaches of the future are going to go well I don't like how she turned it around that quick that ups the expectations for us (laughs) exactly exactly well let's bring in the Illini gal she's uh, the double double one of the stars of this team Adalia McKenzie joining us now Adalia, Brad put it uh, perfectly a moment ago. You guys are are just fun to watch. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the wins, but even in games that aren't quite as close um, and you've beaten some good opponents, um, this has been fun as a spectator. How's it been for you guys on the team? Yeah, it's been really fun playing. I think that's just the most important thing. We go out there and have fun doing it. 
and it's always good when you're winning. And I don't like getting used to losing, so it's been feeling really good so far. Uh, Dahlia, do you think that, I mean, as you get in the Big Ten, what are your expectations now? Obviously, you've raised the bar from where you were a year ago, and, and last year was tough, but uh, what are you thinking now? You know, last year, only one Big Ten win. Where's our goal? Honestly, just coming for everybody in the Big Ten, you know, I kind of feel like everyone can, like, see us, but I don't think anyone really sees us as, like, you know, that team that's going to, like, really make noise. So I kind of feel like the underdog still. So we still just got to go into a Big Ten play, just ready to attack everybody. And and so um, personally, you know, you've done some things now with double-double games and, you know, had an effect on a lot of the Ws. Do you change your personal expectations for yourself each night as you've proven that you can do more? Or how do you deal with that as a player? Yeah, I do expect a lot from myself. Like, and so does like my team and coaches. So just having a high standard just pushes me to like go out there and be my best, whether it's on offense and defense and both, you know. So much fun talking to Adalia McKenzie here, the Illini gal. Um, you were mentioning last week again that the close loss at Indiana um, came back and a strong win against Rutgers. Look, I know the Scarlet Knights having some issues right now with with um, they're in a team in transition. Um, but what did that mean? And the, and the win at Butler to go on the road, I it just seems like these were, um, especially the Rutgers game, I think, just a, a great kind of a litmus test for you guys that you went into Indiana again, almost, but can't quite get the win. Um, but you come back with at Butler and, and it wasn't a blowout. It was one you had to really had to fight for it and, and get the win. What is, what does that mean for this team in terms of it's the, the progress and maturation as you can, as Mike mentioned, getting into big 10 play. Yeah. We always talk about bouncing back from like dubs and losses, you know, the bubble game, that was a tough win and we learned a lot from it, but we just go and have that mindset, just bouncing back and, you know, learning from before and just working hard. But it's just exciting to see that we're making steps each game because we still got a long way to go for the season. So it's really like good to know that we have a lot of room to grow. Now, you you didn't, um, you know, you weren't involved in this, like uh, being in Minnesota. So you don't understand that there's a little bit of a rivalry with this with Missouri, right? I mean, you understand that this is the border war. And yeah, we, we always talk about in the men's game, but you have to win this one too, right? You're not allowed to lose this game. So are you up to the challenge? Yes, for sure. Born ready. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, now that you've had a chance to, to sit back and you've, you've kind of seen, you know, how things have went, um, is it you look back on like how you might have been nervous when a new coach came to town and you didn't know what was going to happen and now you look and see how well it worked out does that make you reflect on anything or how how to deal with change in your life as you go forward yeah for sure um i kind of see it as an opportunity to like learn how to embrace change you know like at first I was nervous didn't know it was going to happen but she came in she had a vision I was like look I'm down for the ride just embracing that change and also like it's okay to be nervous but as long as you just follow the plan and just do your work everything will work out so I'm really excited that 
the change for the program happened. I'm really grateful. I got time for one more question before we got to hit a break here. Um, so you've, you've known coach green now, I think she came on what late March, early April, I guess. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, getting close to eight months here. What's the one way that she has changed in your view from the time that she first uh, stepped on and began talking to you guys as a team back in April to today? Um, I'll say on the court wise, she was nice in the beginning. I mean, wait, she's still nice. I swear she's still nice. <laughs> but I say she's more intense now. Like, I can expect her to probably, like, you know, go a little bit crazy and yell at us. But in the beginning, like, in workout, she was very, like, you know, you're good, you're good. Y'all are new, so I'm giving y'all grace. But now that, like, we all got the hang of things, now she's like, uh-uh. Like, now I'm on y'all. But, yeah. But she's still nice. Coach Green, I swear you're still nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great uh, i'll tell you what minoring in public relations adalia mckenzie here and again the next big game is sunday down at columbia taking on the missouri tigers in the uh, brag and rights border war game adalia always great talking with you uh take care safe trip this weekend we'll talk to you next week thank you so much sophomore guard adalia mckenzie of the illini women's basketball team joining us here on the sports spectacular stay with us we'll talk more about uh, the coaching news the big news of the week Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator, going to Purdue, a man with a very unique perspective. Uh, local sports fans would know him. Chris Whitlick, formerly of WCIA in Champaign, now with CBS4 in Indianapolis. He was there in the house when Walters talked on Wednesday. We'll get his perspective coming up next here in the Sports Spectacular. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Our friend coming back here to the show, Chris Whitley. He is sports director, CBS4 in Indianapolis. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. Always good to talk with you. Um, I tell you what, if, if you if you go through the week in terms of, um, if you name a winner each week of the Big Ten, Purdue's the winner this week. A lot to talk about. Let's start with Ryan Walters. We just heard from him a moment ago in his presser today. Um, your impressions first off about the Boilermakers' new head coach. Um, I like what he said, certainly. I think he maybe needs a little bit of polish. Uh, obviously, this is a first for him. Uh, becoming a head coach and doing it at the age of, what, 36 yeah. is remarkable. But I know he's one of the hottest assistants out there. I think if Purdue didn't grab him, he may have gone somewhere else. I know there was a, he was in the Colorado mix for a while before Dion took that job. Already, believe it or not, Larry, already there are folks who are saying, when Dion's got Colorado up there, when he leaves, that's where Ryan's going to go. So, you know, the, the worry warts are already out there. That's all <laughs> Purdue fans do is worry about, woe is me. We're never going to get anything done here. But um, he had some great things to say. Uh, he wants high character kids. And it's obvious that um, he gets the best out of his athletes. Looking at what he did at Illinois in just such a short time, uh, I think that grabbed uh, everybody's attention. The only drawback maybe, again, at least with Purdue fans, is it's not an offensive guy. I mean, they're coming off um, a litany of offensive coaches, and, and we all know what Jeff Brown was able to do uh, with that Purdue attack. Um, the concern is he won't get, you know, a high-powered attack rolling again, much like Brom did. And, and that's a concern because when Brom came to Purdue, uh, the program was really at a low. Uh, they were only drawing 10, 15,000 fans per game. And that was in, what, 2016? Wow. At the end of this year, they were, they were at capacity. 
uh, 98, 90, 99% at Ross Aid Stadium. So the worry is if the exciting football doesn't return to Purdue, some, some of the interest will wear off. So we'll see what happens. Do you think, I mean, did he, you know, just looking at Walters, did he talk about his offensive philosophy? Because never been a head coach, you really don't know what to expect. Is he going to bring in a, a guy who's spread or a guy who's going to be a old three yards in a cloud of dust? We really don't know yet, do we? No, we don't know. And he was pretty vague about it. He says, I want a balanced offense, but I want to be able to move the ball. So I think any coach is, is going to say that. So I don't know what that means, a balanced offense. Purdue is not used to having a balanced offense. They throw 40, 50 times a game. Again, you can win both ways, certainly. And if he brings the defensive prowess that he had at Illinois, they'll be in pretty good shape. They're not going to need that high-powered attack. But uh, uh, we don't know. He says he's interviewing assistants, certainly. He's got to get his staff together pretty quickly. Uh, the big concern is losing more of this recruiting class uh, that they've got coming in, and it's a pretty good class. And already three or four have decided to go to Louisville with Jeff Brown, which is going to happen. That's not a surprise there. So uh, we don't know what kind of an offense uh, Purdue is going to have, and I, I, we're just in wait-and-see mode to see who he brings in um, on his staff. Were you at all surprised to see Purdue hire a coach who, as you have described, could do the same thing that Jeff Brom experience um, that can take it to maybe to the next level or keep it where it is. I mean, getting the Big Ten championship game was quite a feat for this. Um, Purdue certainly picked it up and ran with it. But um, we we figured, and especially with with the amount of money that they're going to have coming in, they had Brom at over $5 million a year. They were able to spend a lot of money to bring in someone who's already done something. So this is a risk. Certainly, Ryan Walters is a hot name, and uh, he could take this program to new heights. We don't know. that That's the risk. You just don't know what you're going to get with a guy who has never been a head coach before. So, yeah, I was surprised for sure. Yeah, certainly we were, too. I mean, obviously, Colorado was the one, you know, as you said, we've heard about that before. Before Dion got there, there were a couple of different um, rounds of conversations that it appeared Walters in on, but 36 years old, as you mentioned, one of the hottest young assistants in the country. Um, unusual to have an assistant coach and a coordinator from Illinois take not just any job, but a power five job, not just a power five job, but a big 10 job. Um, so a lot there and some things to be excited about, but also, as you said, some things to be uh, concerned about. Now I mentioned Purdue winning the week. How about the basketball team? Uh, 10 and 0, uh, entering the week, um, Purdue heading up to number one, the Boilermakers. What a great job Matt Painter does year in, year out. Um, and I really enjoy, we're going to get in, into this a little bit in a few minutes here on the show. I really enjoy um, seeing all the national media wrong, that every year it's starting out, well, the Big Ten didn't go anywhere in March. Therefore, gee, all these guys went pro. We don't know. And we've had eight different teams already ranked and, and now already a number one team that wasn't ranked in the preseason in Purdue. That's what's remarkable. I know when I was on your show last time, we were wondering where the points were going to come from, how this young backcourt would, would be able to play starting two freshmen. It just doesn't happen in the Big Ten, and it doesn't happen at a program as successful as Matt Painter's program has been in the recent past. So he kept reassuring us, saying it's going to be fine. These guys know, uh, know how to get there. They've got good experience on the AAU circuit. Um, they're mature beyond their years, and it's really proving to be the case with Foster Lawyer and uh, Braden Smith. Uh, holding court in the backcourt for Purdue. But again, the key for this Purdue team has been Zach Eady, which we mentioned last month that uh, his game, he's just taken his game up yet 
to another level. I didn't think he had it in him, but it's not just scoring. It's rebounding and passing. And the durability, I think, guys, um, probably opens my eyes even more. He played 40 minutes in that game, that overtime win in Nebraska. This this is a guy who's seven foot four, 250, 260 pounds. Where can you find a big man that size, play that much, and really not see his level of, of play drop off? The kid is absolutely remarkable. He's durable. He said, he told the coach, he goes, leave me out there all 40 minutes. I'll do it if I have to. And he's proven that he can. So, uh, it, again, he's become a double-double machine. And uh, the guards and the forwards are just being able to feed off of him. As successful as Zach is, that just opens everything up for the rest of the team. So, um, yes, surprise, definitely at 10-0. Number one in the nation. It looks great. I think it's a little too early to say that they're the best team of the country. I mean, there's quite a few teams that have one or two losses that are probably better than Purdue is right now. But it'll be interesting to see if this Boilermaker team continues to build. Their only concern is they've had very few tough road trips, like in uh, in in hostile arenas. The one at Nebraska was the first one, and I know Nebraska is really not known for a basketball hotbed. But uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how they're able to take this on the road to Illinois, to Michigan State, to Michigan, and 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 see if they're su- they're successful there too. We're talking with Chris Whitlick, sports director at CBS4 in Indianapolis. More about the Big Ten and, for the moment, nation-leading Purdue Boilermakers. Once again, a vaunted rival standing in the way of the Illini and a repeat Big Ten championship. All that after this on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Let's continue now on the Sports Spectacular with Chris Widlick, Sports Director at CBS4 in Indianapolis. Do you think, are they built for a, a postseason run? I mean, that's a that's a question I have with young guards and you know, basically playing through their center, which is something that we haven't really seen teams have a lot of success in the postseason with. So uh, do you think they're built for a postseason run or they're maybe a year away? I would say they're a year away. Uh, they just don't have that experience. Um they made a deep run of the tournament last year. Most of those guys are gone. We mentioned that Ivy, Trevion Williams, uh, Sasha Stefanovic. That, that was the three-headed monster for the most part for Purdue last year. So it, it's, it's too early to say. Um, you never know what can happen. But it, as long as they stay healthy and as long as Edie keeps putting up these numbers, they've got an opportunity. I'm not sure. And I think we all know uh guard play is the key in march madness having two freshmen back there by the time it's march certainly they're 
you know, and they, they played every game and they, they, they plan on it as well. They'll have that experience coming into uh, tournament time, but you got to have guys who have been through the ringer who have done it before. So when it comes to March, hard to say, but I'd be surprised if they're able to make a deep run. And I want to make uh, one correction. I mentioned foster lawyer. It's Fletcher lawyer. Foster is his brother and he plays at Davidson and the two are going head to head in a game here at the field house uh, on Saturday. So I correct myself. It's Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Because that slipped by me is I'm like, yeah, it's one of the, one of the lawyer brothers. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Fletcher well, Foster. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of, of Fletcher and of course his running mate, Braden Smith, you know, right now they're averaging combined over 20 points a game. Can you give fans a little bit of a thumbnail of each one? Because it, they really are starting off incredibly hot for a pair of freshmen back there. Yeah, they're two very different players. Uh, Braden likes the ball in his hands. He's more of a facilitator. Uh, the problem with him is he's passing up too many open shots, and the coaching staff's kind of getting on him, saying, if, if you are open, take the shot. Um, and I think that'll come as the season unfolds. He was a gritty player in high school, uh, right down the road here in Westfield. Really tough. Indiana's Mr. Basketball, great leader, loves the ball in his hands, loves the pressure. He's a big-time pressure player. As far as lawyers concerned, he's, he's a cool, cool-as-ice shooter, loves the three ball. Um, he's probably their best three-point shooter on the roster right now as a freshman, and, and he's hit a handful of them under pressure, too. So both of these guys uh, can get the job done in different ways. Again, the facilitator and the shooter, and then they really kind of play off each other right now. So, so far, it's uh, it's been quite successful. Chris, thanks for your time, as always, and we hope to talk with you again soon. Chris Widlick, sports director at CBS4 in Indianapolis, and as you may know, uh, longtime sports director before that at WCIA Channel 3 in Champaign. So, uh, Chris knows not only the Purdue programs, but Illinois athletics very well. Always great to have his insights here in the show. Uh, last hour, IlliniGuys.com football writer and analyst Matt Stevens gave us his perspective into the Walters' departure and the search for his replacement. In case you missed it, here is what Matt had to say. Uh, there's a lot of vetting process that has to go into these guys because, Brad, as I said to Mike Kagan on our podcast, the 42-year-old Brett Bielema that left Wisconsin is not the same as the 52-year-old Brett Bielema we have now. And so I think there's a lot of different elements here that, that are going to get brought into this search, one of which is that Brett Bielema is a different person, and I think he's going to kick the tires on a lot of people um, based off of what I've been hearing and, and what his experience in the NFL under Belichick has led him to believe is the most important thing. But there's also a lot of chemistry in that in that coaching staff right now. And I think that um, he doesn't want to upset the apple cart on that one either. So, um, you know, Kevin Kane is there. Tell us a little bit about his background and why, you know, he on the staff already might be a really viable candidate as well. If Kevin Kane were to get this job. This is why he left SMU. He was a defensive coordinator and a defensive play caller for Sonny Dykes at SMU. Sonny Dykes is an offensive coach. So when he hires a defensive coordinator like Kevin Kane at SMU, he's letting him have his own autonomy on that side of the ball and, and everything that goes along with that. Kevin left that in order to work with Brett Bielema, Ryan Walters, and Andy Boo and have a com you know combination of a group effort of those four guys, including himself, 
so that he can learn and be better prepared for a being a defensive coordinator in a power two conference or a power five conference later on in life. Cause Kevin's only 30 still, he's my age. He's only 38 years old Two, um, Kevin Kane wants to be a head coach and there's no doubt about that. And anybody who talks to him about anybody in that building and he's, he's been on the job training and learning and, and, and trust me, I'm not going to, you know, water down the effort of Ryan Walters and what he did to completely transform the defensive side of the football at the University of Illinois. But I do know it was a group effort among those four guys to do everything they could to get Illinois back to where they are defensively. Kevin Kane was at least a fourth part of that effort. And I think that Brett Bielema knows that. And if he picks Kevin Kane, guess what? He not only knows that the most important position, one of the more important positions on, on his defense, the, that outside edge rusher um, linebacker spot is going to be taken care of. Suburban Chicago in terms of recruiting is going to be taken care of. And I think he knows that the scheme won't change and the players really, really like Kevin um, in that up and down that building, no matter what position group it is. So I think that he, Brett has all of that information already in his head as he goes through this process. Matt, got about a minute left here. Let's uh, play devil's advocate. Let's let's follow that rabbit trail. Let's say Kane uh, becomes your new defensive coordinator. Who takes Kane's spot? Who's the other coach hired? You know, I, I agree with Mike Farrell and what he put out on Illini guys on Wednesday morning. That you know, Jayaloa and I, I butchered that name and I apologize, but um, is the defensive backs coach at Oklahoma, and I think he would get a call because you know Brett is familiar with him with his time at Wisconsin as a player and and and, and as a coach. I also think there's a possibility, and I, I've heard this at least from one end of one source that I have, is that Terry Hawthorne, who used to be the director of player operations at Illinois, and then went to go get some experience at Southern Illinois this year as a defensive backs coach, would get a phone call and they'd kick the tires on Terry and see if he's ready to come back home and be one of the 10 assistant coaches. This is one of the things that I think, and, and there's also some internal guys that could get promoted as long along with Kevin. He brought some dudes with him from SMU in that operation who are, you know, graduate assistants and analysts um, in that staff. So I think that they would kick the tires on them and see if they're ready to do that. Um, it's a it's a major operation. You need to have the chemistry between that person and Aaron Henry work out really well because that's what Ryan Walters had is the unbelievable chemistry with Aaron Henry. And I think that, you you know, Brett, Brett's got to evaluate all that and see how it works. But yeah, if Kevin Kane were to get promoted, I think Brett, you know, like I said before, has that list of guys that he would immediately turn to for a DB's coach, a safeties coach, because he has that list for every position group he has. Um, based on his experience, both at Wisconsin and at Arkansas, he lost his, he lost assistance pretty much every year. These last two years at Illinois have been almost rare birds in the sense that the staff has been able to stay together so well. Um, Bielema knows that as Illinois gets better and has starts to have more consistent seven, eight, nine win seasons, that's not going to happen. And so these lists are in his hip, you're either in his pocket or in his desk drawer, and they're ready to go immediately when these, these moves happen. That was Matt Stevens of the IlliniGuys.com staff. Matt will be there Saturday afternoon when Brett Bielema has his next media availability. That's going to be at State Farm Center. Uh, lots happening right now with football. The defensive coordinator search, obviously, uh, still getting prep work in for the January 2nd ReliQuest Bowl in Tampa. I mean, they're going to be leaving here in a little more than a week, heading down to Florida. And and then signing day is next Wednesday. Coach trying to hang on to those guys who have verbally committed and get their signature on the bottom line. That's uh, can can be a challenge even with a full staff. And when you lose a key member of your staff like Ryan Walters, it can be a challenge. But uh, so far, so good. Um, uh, good luck to 
uh, Coach Bielema and the staff as they work toward the big day on Wednesday. Stay with us. A goat gets his due and a farewell to one of the premier voices of soccer. That's next on the Sports Spectacular. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. We all make more than 35,000 decisions a day. Most are small, but some can be life-changing. When it comes to taking care of yourself, the most important choices can be hard to make. Like having a tough conversation instead of ignoring a buddy's call. Or being there for support, not assuming things will just get better. Make the decision to be there for the veterans in your life, for your community, for yourself. Learn more at BeThereForVeterans.com. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, the NBA honoring one of its all-time greats. Uh, Michael Jordan won, I don't know, pie? <laughs> Five, six NBA MVP trophies. And now the NBA's most valuable player trophy will be named after Michael Jordan. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. I, I think it just shows, uh, you know, Jordan is such a, for People who are, you know, in that, you know, middle-aged people right now, they grew up with Michael Jordan and they followed Michael Jordan and, and he was the guy, you know, he was the man and he's the, they still think he's the goat. Most people, younger generations, you've got maybe Kobe and then LeBron, but Michael still to most people is the goat. Yeah, it's, it's appropriate uh, award. And I think that branding of the awards after different players, I thought was, was a cool idea to go you know, across the board um, and what an honor for those players. And now you just hope that they keep up their good behavior while that awards are named, while those awards are named after them. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't need another Joe Paterno with the statue going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, some things I could say about that. I'm leaving that one alone, but yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. Um, and for the people who want to jump off the, the, the what about isms and you want to mention LeBron's name, Keep it in your pocket. LeBron's still playing. And when he's done and 20 years from now, they'll name a trophy after him. It's okay. Michael Jordan in his era was the greatest in his era. That's that's un- it's you, you can't refute that. And later on, you can maybe change or do something else. But let's let Michael Jordan have his due. 
without making it into a debate about who's better and all that. Well, same old, same old. So, so what would the LeBron? What's LeBron going to get the trophy for? Well, it could be some kind of scoring. I don't know. I'm just tweets. Has he most tweets? Most tweets. The, the Twitter. Well, guy. I would social have, media award. I would give my honest. You know, I mean, I don't know that. You know, the biggest flop awards. Like it's like yeah, best, like you can. You know, best flopper. I don't yeah, know. Best flopper. Nah, I, yeah, he's great. I mean, there's no question. He's probably he might be the most uh, the best athlete to ever play basketball. I mean, he's just because oh, of his size and yeah. speed and everything. So, yeah. But yeah, I just I wonder what it'll be. I don't know. Yeah. It, it'll be something. I mean, I was, I was at his first game in the summer league in Orlando back in 03 when he was drafted and he was standing in the huddle next to Jason Capono, who just completed four years at UCLA and their body types. You'd think Capono was the 18 year old and LeBron was a 22 year old. I mean, that's just yep. how chiseled he was as an 18 year old. Um, he's a freak of nature. He's, there's no question. He's one of the greatest of all time. Um, fantastic player. And, and, uh, you know, obviously without question, first ballot hall of famer um some sad news this week and we'll end on this grant wall is uh you know was the voice of of soccer here in the u.s um longtime writer extremely talented guy died during the world cup um his body back home now and they discovered that there was actually um an issue with his heart um but just a tribute to him and and um and one of the great journalists of uh, of our era yeah you know he going back to my early days covering um Illinois basketball. He was, uh, he was around, uh, doing basketball back in the day. So, um, yeah, one of the, one of the, the good guys, one of the good writers, great journalist. Um, of course, you know, he just, you know, it, it's, a you know, we were speaking to LeBron, of course, you know, he had some impact there too. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a sad day when you lose somebody like that. Yeah. You know, famous in soccer circles, um, you know, and, and the bottom line is, is, you know, he came up of an era where the good writers were, were maybe valued a little more than they are today. And, um, you hate to see any of those, those guys, you know, go away, especially when they're younger and had an opportunity, you know, we we're missing out selfishly as fans on years of really good writing that we won't get. Yeah, absolutely. I believe Grant was 48, uh, leaves behind his uh, wife. Um, you know, I used to spend uh, some time with Grant from time to time at these major events. As Brad mentioned, he was a big basketball, college basketball writer before soccer became a beat for him back in the Sports Illustrated days. Grant would always discuss three things. You could count on this. Uh, he would always discuss his wife at the time going for her Ph.D. He discussed the Fells Point area where in which he lived in Baltimore, and he discussed soccer but not always in that order. Uh, Grant Wall, we, uh, we certainly will, uh, will miss him. Uh, Mike, as you mentioned, miss his talents um, uh, each week and all the work he did for the game of soccer. Hey, that does it for us here. Uh, as always, our time goes way too fast. We appreciate you being here for long for the ride. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll see you right back here next week. ILL. I and I. This I has been I. a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.